Well, hey there. Uh, can I share with you a story about a neighbor? And it's not about that girl, but let me read you a story about a neighbor. Follow along with me, would you? One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, and he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him up. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. Show mercy to your neighbors. I wanna ask you today, I want you to ponder, are we compassionate? Are we prepared? Are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we generous? Are we good neighbors? Maybe so. Are we godly neighbors? That's where I kinda wanna park for like six weeks. Are we good, not just good, but are we godly neighbors? I'm gonna pray for our time together. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we are so thankful for you. After just moments of worship and praise, I feel energized. I feel grateful. I feel compelled to love this world a little bit better. I want everyone to know that you are a firm foundation in which we can stand. So God, speak to us. Use your word, use this young girl to speak your truth. God, we are expectant and we are so excited. We love you, Lord. Amen. If you've been hanging out with us for a few weeks, you have heard that you are made for? You are made for? Hopefully by now you're coming to terms with this. You are made for more. And hopefully you're gaining a better understanding of what that means for you as you walk with Jesus. Today, 
I'm here to tell you that that same message applies to what we're going to talk about right now. You were made for more. You were made to be more than just a good neighbor. You were in fact made to be a godly neighbor. You were made to be a light to those around you, a representation of Jesus. When people see you, they should see Jesus. This is what we were made for. So who's thinking right now, oh, not neighboring again. And I know you're out there because I said it and I stood out there. I too was like, we're talking about being good neighbors again. We get it. Well, apparently we don't. Uh, God just like took my little face. Sometimes I take my daughter's face when I really want her to look at me. It's like he took my face and said, do you remember what my greatest commandment was? And I'm not taking your face right now. Do you remember what his greatest commandment was, is for us? We just read it. Love the Lord your God with all that you got. That's how I say it because I can't get mind, soul, strength. I can't get them in the right order. Uh, love the Lord your God with all that you got and love your neighbor. It's the most important thing. Therefore, hate to break it to you, we are gonna talk about it over and over and over again. And if you're anything like me, that's good because you need reminded and you have room to grow in this. So in the weeks ahead, we'll answer the question of who are our neighbors? We'll look at schools that we all love and adore. We'll look at kids who are in the foster system and on the fringe. We'll talk about being good neighbors to local businesses in our communities those who are considered underdogs, and of course, our actual next door neighbors. And we have so much opportunity. Literally, anywhere you go, you have a chance to be a good, godly neighbor. This is what Jesus did. Like, not only does he share with us that we are to be this, he gave us the perfect example. If you read in the message version of the Bible, in John 1, 4, it says, Jesus put on flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. I love that. He put on a body and he moved into the neighborhood. He moved into our neighborhood. He stepped down from his heavenly throne and moved in right next door on Fox Drive in Lawrenceburg or on Vine Street in OTR on Madison Avenue in Covington. He moved in on Irwin Simpson Road in Mason. Uh, Warsaw in Price Hill, he moved in on North Bend, on Coleraine Avenue, on Devil's Backbone, on Ebenezer. Do I need to keep going? He moved into the neighborhood to show us what it looks like to not just be good neighbors, but to be godly neighbors. He showed us what it looks like to sacrifice to be inconvenienced, to love, to tear down fences and build porches, to teach us what it looks like to invite all people to the table, to invite them to sit and rock. So knowing all of that, reading our story, who do you identify with from the passage that we read? Um, do you identify with religious leaders, the religious leaders of our story, or the Samaritan? 
Think to a time when you saw one, maybe you didn't see someone actually on the ground, but when did you see someone who was hurting, someone who was in need? How did you respond? This will tell you who you identify with. It's a little bit of a heart check. Did you choose to cross the street prematurely when you saw something up ahead that you did not want to be involved with? Did you see a situation and feel uncomfortable so you avoided it altogether? Did you go over just long enough to get all of the details so you could go back and gossip about it? Did you even have a second in your day to stop and see that there was an issue? Were your eyes intentionally looking for a divine appointment, a moment in time that God was like, here's your chance to show the world my love? Did you care for the human? using your own resources to benefit them? Did you give them a ride on your donkey? Do you cross over, walk away, or do you feel compassion and show mercy? I have to think um, these religious leaders, they knew this in their head, uh, the ones who were testing Jesus. They knew this well enough to have a conversation with Jesus and really wanted to make sure that he got it right he asked the question, who is my neighbor? I'm gonna get this right. I know the law, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbors, so tell me exactly who I need to love because I'm gonna do this right. Jesus, in such a Jesus way, shares a lovely little story. Maybe you don't know this about Jesus. He's always got stories for us. So he shares, there's this man walking down the road, beaten, left to die. Maybe you, some of you out there are like, we know, we just read it, or we've heard this story a million times in Sunday school. I don't care. I want you to refocus. I want you to consider this in the context of your own life. You are walking down a street, whatever street it is, and you see someone on the ground hurting in need of help. Okay, painted the picture. A church leader walks by. Surely they'll do whatever's needed to help this person, right? Nope. Just kept on walking. Another church leader. Okay, this one's got time to help. Nope. Walks on by. The third man, the Bible said, a despised Samaritan. This guy who, if he were laying on the ground, he wouldn't receive help in this time, in this place. He wouldn't have received help. He's got nothing to gain by helping this man. He's the one. He's the one who sees. He's the one who stops. He's the one who shows compassion. He's the one who helps. So Jesus, again, in his ways, chooses the least expected man to be the one to stop and show compassion. Uh, this past week, I spent a little extra time with some family, and they knew that this story was on my mind and on my heart and that I was really trying to figure out what it was that God had for us to learn. Um, it was really fun to be able to talk about this with them, to even share the story to um, some who didn't ever hear it before, my young nephews and cousins. And what I realized was, gosh, God's word, it really is so valuable to young people, young children, and to grown up adults. And I have to think that if we're teaching the importance of this story, of this message to the littles now, how much better off the world will be. Which, speaking of teaching little children the importance of God's word, 
our kids ministry team is teaming up with us this summer. If you have a child in Harbortown that you love, maybe it's your own, maybe it's a friend's. If you have a child in Harbortown that you love, would you raise your hand? Me, me too. We have opportunities, my friends. Not only are we as adults leaning in to be better neighbors, our kids are learning this too. And I think they probably could teach us a lesson or two. Have you ever watched kids play in a neighborhood? It doesn't matter what street you live on. doesn't matter what color you are. We're all going to come together and play. We're going to go into each other's garages and get popsicles. It just doesn't matter, right? They could teach us a thing or two. But if you raised your hand, by the end of our time together, I really want you to have something in mind that you can share with your child to begin this conversation about being good neighbors. We, for the next six weeks, we want you all to study this together, to practice this, to serve people in your neighborhoods. We believe that families are strengthened when they serve together. Um, I'll even give you, I'll even give you what you can ask them. You can ask them, who can we invite to sit at our table? And you ask them that because right now, as we're in here, they're right over there learning and interacting with a Bible story from the Old Testament about a king who has this beautiful feast. And he invites the least of these, someone who would never be invited to sit at the table. He invites him in, treats him like a king, feeds him, makes him feel so valuable and loved. So you can ask your child or your friend's child, who can we invite to sit at our table? I think this story is gonna have a lasting impact on our littles if we can somehow just drive that point home for them. So don't miss the opportunity here. I'm talking to myself too. And one last thing, um, we're looking for some adults of all ages to step up and join us on our kids team. I'm not sure, maybe you're so intimidated by this or maybe you're like, I have zero time to give anybody else um, and I have nothing to offer. Can I just encourage your heart for a second? If you're living, which I think most of us in this room are, if you're living and you're trying to follow Jesus and you love him, then you absolutely have something to offer. Kids and students need other adults speaking into their lives that are not their primary caregivers. It's so important. Do we need more people to execute a wonderful weekend experience for our kids? Maybe. But more importantly, we need Jesus-loving adults to share with children that they matter and that they matter to God. So I'm super passionate about this. If you would like to hear a little bit more, just meet me after service. My friend Megan will be out there too. We want to just encourage you, share a little bit more about kids ministry and hopefully um, encourage you to join in on us. But let me get back to my time spent with my little friends and my family. We sat around and talked about this story. And I said, help me consider some of the things that I could share with my church family. What are some of our lessons to learn here? And we came up with four, that as we try to be more like Jesus and more like the good neighbor, I think there are four things that we have to consider. This goes for me too. So are we able to see and stop? Are we willing to sacrifice are we obedient in our faith and are we confident in Jesus? That's what we have to consider. 
So are we able to see and stop? What's stopping you from seeing and then what's keeping you from stopping? That, that sounds kind of funky, so I'll say it again. What's, keep, what's stopping you from seeing and then what's keeping you from stopping? Maybe this will help you. Um, Last weekend, I went to the movies, which I love doing, and I saw this movie, um, well, while I was sitting there, you know, with my popcorn and everything, like, this scene happened, and I got my phone out, and I was just writing out, and I'm like, yes, Jesus, I hear you right in this movie theater. Do y'all forget that Jesus actually uses, like, normal everyday things to speak to us if we're paying attention? That's cool. Um, but I was not expecting to hear this, and I was like, this is perfect for what I want to share with my friends. Anyway, the movie I saw was about this young girl who's completely ostracized from her community. Uh, she lives such a different life than everybody else. Um, her, she's called The Marsh Girl. My book lovers, what, what movie did I just go see? I love you. Um, anyway, yeah, so Where the Crawl Dad Sings, such a good book, such a good movie. The Marsh Girl, which she has a name, but no one uses it, and they probably don't even know it, which there's a lesson in and of itself. But her name is Kaya, and she's made fun of from such a young age for, for where she lives, how she lives, how she dresses. She goes to school with no shoes. Um, she's just struggling. So there's this little shop in town uh, owned by a guy named Jumpin, which that's fun. He would provide basic needs for Kaya, food, things like that. But his attentiveness and his respectful distance allowed Kaya to thrive for years after losing her family. He he and his wife, they oftentimes uh, went out of their way to support um, this orphan. And it wasn't always convenient for them And at times it was really risky, but in one moment, I love this, uh, Jumpin said to his wife as she was in the middle of helping Kaya, he said, be careful. And right back with no hesitation, she said, God didn't tell me to be careful. And then she goes right to God's word. She said, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. God didn't say be careful. Lord, when did we ever see you? We have to be looking in order to see. And this will require us to be a bit risky. This will require us to slow down. This will require us to have margin in our life. It's going to require us to be in step with the Spirit of God to be able to discern what he would have for us. I can't be the only one who is extremely thankful for Alan's words last week and his encouragement for us to be in God's word. If you aren't in God's word, we, you, will not know your father's voice. And we won't have the eyes to see what he would have for us to see. And much like Alan said, the same excuse we have to not read our Bibles will be the same excuse we have to be unable to stop and help those in need. We don't have time. 
false. Well, I'm sure our priorities are out of whack. And the hard truth is we don't have time because it's not important to us. We prioritize the important. All of us do. We do this every day. We make time, a lot of time, for the things that are important to us. So I'm not saying you do have time. Maybe you are just filled to the brim. Well, I'm just saying you have so much opportunity to love your neighbors because our neighbors are all around us. And if this is something that's really important to you, you will prioritize it. So our neighbors are everywhere we go. We live next to them. We work with them. We go to school with them. We play ball games with them. We shop from them. We pass them on the streets. So none of us were called or created to be careful. We were called and created to be good neighbors. So I'll ask it again. What's stopping you from seeing and what's keeping you from stopping? Answer that for yourself. For me, what's keeping me from seeing others is my selfishness. And what's keeping me from stopping is my desire to not be inconvenienced. I am so selfish and I do not wanna be inconvenienced. That's what's keeping me from seeing others and what's keeping me from stopping. So I want you to consider what it is for you. As we keep on walking down the path with our neighbors, we have to ask the question, are we willing to sacrifice? What did the good neighbor sacrifice? Do you remember? As he saw, what did he sacrifice? Obviously his time, he stopped. He sacrificed his money. He sacrificed his donkey. And I know it's hard, really hard to give those things up. Well, I don't know about the donkey but I know about the money and the time. But it's all about our resources. It's our money. We've earned it. It's our time. We can spend it however we want. We have family and friends and jobs to get to. I know, I know, I know. But, but do you want to hear what God has to say? In Proverbs eleven twenty five, he says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So friends, can we be generous with what God has given us? What could you sacrifice for others? Think about it right now. What could you sacrifice for others? Because I asked myself the same question. Here are some examples. You could sacrifice one less target run. You could sacrifice one less pair of shoes, and um, I have it written down. I won't tell you how many pairs of shoes I have, but I did put one less pair of shoes to go with the other 40 that you have. Um, one less golfing trip. That's definitely not me, but it's somebody out there. What, what could you sacrifice? Which, speaking of shoes, we have an opportunity for you today. We get to... That's right. We get to partner with our local schools in providing new shoes for kids. And this is so important, you guys. We want to be able to provide any child that needs a new nice pair of shoes for school. So as you leave today, there's multiple ways that you can join in. You can pick up one of these cards like I did. 
and go and buy a pair of shoes and bring them back next week. You could get on Amazon for those of you who don't want to be inconvenienced. You could order one online, have it shipped here. Uh, really, if that's too much, you could just give today and somebody could shop for you. There's really lots of ways we can do this. But by purchasing a pair of shoes, if you hear anything, hear this. By purchasing a pair of shoes, you are providing hope. I know that seems really simple, but you are. You're providing hope. You're showing kids and students that they matter and that they're worthy to wear a pair of shoes. We're removing, it is a barrier. We are helping remove this physical barrier so that kids can have a successful school year. And then ultimately, maybe, hopefully, I pray they come to know the Father's love through that pair of shoes. So I'll ask the question again. What can you sacrifice? I don't know. You'll have to answer it for yourself. But I do know that the good neighbor, he sacrificed, and I want to be more like him. I want us to think about the next question I would have for you as we love and serve our neighbors is are we obedient in our faith? And this is a tough one. I think we like to say, yes, I love Jesus. I have to do what he says. Of course I'm obedient. But it's not always easy and we definitely don't always do it. But it is extremely important for those of us who say we follow Jesus to obey his command to love others. And in case you just need another reminder, I can read more scripture to you. John 13 says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. That's really powerful. Just as I have loved you, love others. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And then Romans 13, 8 says, owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. If you love your neighbor. Why is it that this simple statement, love others or love your neighbor, is one of the most difficult things for us to do? And I know that it's difficult. Obviously, if you look around, we're not always killing it. So why can we hear this story of a good Samaritan and still fall short, still overcomplicate it? Sometimes I think we make things harder for ourselves than they need to be. Can we just see someone in need, first of all, see them, pay attention, and then help them? Instead, we overthink, we overcomplicate, we're afraid that our intentions will be judged, we're afraid they might take it the wrong way, we're afraid of the outcome. Well, I just have to say, we need to be more concerned with our obedience to the Father than the outcome of the situation. And we need to be more concerned with our obedience to the Father than the opinions of others. I'll repeat that one for myself. We need to be more concerned with our obedience to the Father than the opinions of others. So what is God asking you to do? Again, you have to answer that. But because I love you and I'm so nice, I will give you a suggestion. Love others. The last question that we have to consider is, are we confident in Jesus? And this is important. We're not gonna follow and obey someone if we're not confident in them. 
Too often, though, we try to love others out of our own confidence and strength, right? And then we're left drained, frustrated, resentful, bitter, or we become filled with pride and self-righteous because we're so good. I just want our confidence to be rooted in Jesus. And I can say that because I know that he has proven to be faithful. Maybe you don't know that yet. So figure it out. (laughs) How has Jesus been faithful to you? If you need somebody to talk to to figure that out, to help you figure that out, come on. But when our confidence is found in him, we will find it more natural to step out of our comfort zone. We'll find it to be easier to sacrifice things and we'll be more willing to take risks. For me, confidence in Jesus looks like trusting and knowing that he's gonna step in when I feel like what I have to offer my neighbor just simply isn't enough. So I want you, so many questions today. I want you to ask, why? Why be a good neighbor? Why be a godly neighbor? What's the point of all this? You have to be able to answer that because if you aren't able to answer that question for yourself, you're gonna have a really hard time finding a reason to be one, right? For me, why, why do I wanna be a good neighbor? I asked this question multiple times this week. Why? Why do I do what I do? Why do I want to be a good neighbor? Or why do I need to be? Well, I want more than anything in this life for people to experience hope and joy that can be found in Jesus despite your circumstances and despite the challenges that life throws your way. This is where I get my confidence. I know that no matter what your life looks like, no matter what situation you're walking through, no matter what challenge or circumstance, I know that hope and joy is available to you through Jesus. That's why I love my neighbors. That's why I wanna be a good and godly neighbor. I want you to know why you are to be a good neighbor? What is it for you? What have you walked through that has given your confidence in Jesus? What has he done in your life that you want to share with others? For me, he's given me hope and joy. Obviously, as we talk about being good neighbors, I had to stop and think about my actual next door neighbors. I've lived on the same little cul-de-sac for five years. This, this fall will be five years. And a few neighbors have come and gone, but for the most part, we're, we're all kind of in that together. We haven't gone anywhere. And I have Dave and Tina. If I'm standing at my kitchen sink, I see their house. They're to the right of me. They're lovely. They're so cute. A little older than me. They're empty nesters. They have occasional grandkids come over and play. They have a grand pup named Doodles. We're so in sync that we bought puppies at the same time. Perfect curb appeal. It looks like this little gingerbread house. Weekly cut grass, beautiful flowers. I had to think, is this why I know them? Like, because it looks like they have their stuff together. Like, 
they clearly care about the way the outside of their home looks, and so do I, so they're way more approachable. I'm definitely, I'm buddies with them. Like, is that why? Because as I think about this guy, which I literally have to call him this guy because I don't even know his name, like, his weeds, like, come at me as I'm walking down the street. His grass, I think, might be, like, my grass now because it's all just grown together. He, he comes home, I think, in the mornings and just goes right into his garage. His grass is occasionally cut by someone in the neighborhood who gets sick of looking at it. And like I noticed this past fall, something else was off. Like his yard looked even worse, which I don't know how it could, but it did. His windows were open for a long period of time. Like rain was getting in there and cats and stuff. Like it was weird. And I was talking about it with another neighbor. I was so concerned, which clearly I wasn't because I did nothing about it. I think the better way to say that is I was annoyed. And I had some friends over and she challenged me. She said, go over there. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Bake him some cookies and go over there. I was like, I'm not doing that. And she's like, what if he just lost his wife? What if that's why his house looks like crap? And that's why he doesn't come outside. Maybe he's depressed. And I was like, oh gosh, you're right. I'm still not going over there. <laughs> he will think I'm weird, not doing it. Another friend who takes care of my yard because I don't cut grass, but she will occasionally cut his grass. And sometimes I think to myself, even worse, well, I don't know, it's just as bad. Sometimes I say, why are you doing that? He needs to cut his own grass. This is appalling. And I was talking to Alan last week and I seriously was like, ugh, I, I almost said, I stink. Like, I'm horrible. Like, I would think, oh, I'm a good neighbor. No, I'm not. A good neighbor would check on him. A good neighbor would take care of his grass without complaining about it. A good neighbor wouldn't talk crap about him behind his back. I am not doing this well. I can't talk about this. I've been crossing over. I've been that religious leader who walks past, literally turning my eyes away from the mess, the massive mess, afraid to walk my dog past it. Like, it's horrible. I'm super convicted by this, if you can't catch on. Like, this is not good. But maybe you too, please. I mean, maybe not please. But maybe some of you, you're doing this too. You're crossing over. You're negatively thinking about or worse talking about, no, your thoughts and your talk just as bad. Maybe you're judging based on outward appearances. And my word, if we do this with homes, I know, we do this with humans. We judge people by the way their outward appearance looks. Can, if you are doing this with me, can we repent of that today together? Can we turn away from that? Can we do better? I know I need to do better. I know I need to repent. I need to walk right on over there, knock on his door, say hi, I need to suck it up and live out the gospel, not just share it with you all. 
even if, even when, because I know it'll be a win, even when I'm afraid, even when it's awkward, even if he yells at me and says, your friend mows my grass wrong, even if, whatever it is, I need to be a good neighbor. So when I say we, I really mean we, y'all. I need to commit in growing in this. So all of the questions that I've asked us today, can we see? Can we pay attention? Can we see and stop? Can we sacrifice something? Can we be obedient to what he's asking us to do? Can we be confident in our Jesus? Yes, we can. I'm so grateful for God's word and for his people because with those two things, we tap into his power. And with his power, we can change the world one neighborhood at a time, right? So my friends, as you stand, will you be compassionate as you stand? Will you be prepared? Will you be inconvenienced? Will you be generous? Will you be a good neighbor?